I've gone so far, depending on how uncomfortable people seem to be, to be like, well, you know, most of the women in my family don't drink. Like it just, alcohol doesn't agree with our bodies, which is true. But like the fact that I feel that pressure to justify or explain a choice that I think any doctor could tell you like is a really good one for your body. Like, um, yes, there are benefits to having maybe like a glass of red wine, but in general, like we are choosing to put a chemical called ethanol in our bodies that's also used in gasoline and rocket fuel. Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in the great, complex, important American city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. My name is Kyle Heggie, and today we have a very interesting episode that probably goes against a very common narrative here in Milwaukee. And that is the fact that we're often referred to as the Brew City. And we're one of the drunkest cities in the country. And that has, for better or for worse, become part of the identity of Milwaukee. And as the new year rolled around, a lot of people participated in what is called Dry January, which is where essentially you take the month of January off from drinking. You stay sober the first month of the year and this gave bridge the city an idea to do a podcast on dry january with some people from the community that are part of this movement but what the conversation really turned into and what i think is more important here is dry january is a a great challenge for some people a great you know reframing of how you interact or think about alcohol but Sobriety isn't just a one-month challenge that people can do it. It is a, a lifestyle that I think should be a lot more normalized in our society. And we wanted to make this a more holistic episode, not just about one month, but about people that are living or attempting to live a sober lifestyle here in the city of Milwaukee and, and how hard that might be in a city, again, that has built an identity around alcohol. So we talked to Eric Kennedy and Leah Ferrari, both of who self-identify as being sober. Eric has been a great leader in this movement. Uh, He writes for On Milwaukee, a mocktail section, has been very vocal about his sobriety in the past um, in a a lot of different platforms. And Leah created this really cool group. I recommend going to follow them on Instagram called Sober in the Brew City, the name of this episode. That's creating a space for women who identify sober to gather and um, have events that aren't focused solely on alcohol and the other thing that i think is really cool about this episode is that sobriety has a lot of intersections with other identities and you know we we talk about how uh, alcohol might have different connotations for men and women alcohol might have different connotations for working professionals etc and how those uh different identities intersect and how that might make it more or less acceptable for someone to be drinking. So these are two really great leaders in Milwaukee for a variety of reasons. We're really fortunate that they came on the podcast to talk about this important issue. Um, So enjoy this episode all about being sober in the Brew City, again with Eric Kennedy and Leah Ferrari. And now I will leave it to them. 
My name is Leah Ferrari, and I recently started a group called Sober in the Brew City, and um, I'm also a working professional based here in Milwaukee. I'm Eric Kennedy. I am in community relations uh, for a healthcare system. And then uh, I've been engaged in creating awareness and spreading the word about uh, being sober for the last four plus years. So Uh, I'm curious on how and why you both personally got involved with Dry January and just sobriety in general. So for me, I I mean, uh, May 20th was uh, May 20th, 2015 is when um, I became sober. And it wasn't me blacking out or, or any of that all the time, but I just realized that for me, I wasn't the person that I aspired to be. Uh, I wasn't the person that I wanted to be currently. Uh, looking back at it now, it's very disingenuous uh, with my relationships. Um, everyone thought that I was doing well externally, but then internally, when I really thought about it and, and reflecting now, I wasn't being genuine with myself um, and I wasn't focused on my health. Um, and now for me, dry January, it's really an, another time for me to reflect on my life, uh, not only for the past year, but going into the following year, uh, this upcoming year, and really seeing what I want to do, uh, the goals that I want to do professionally, personally, uh, and then also throughout the community. Yeah, I, I really appreciate um, Eric's story. And, you know, we've we've had time to sit down and kind of share um one-on-one, you know, what, what led to each of us deciding, um, to stop drinking. And, um, my nerdy has been a little bit different. I consider myself like, I would say sober, like 90, 95% of the time. Um, I just realized that alcohol was affecting my body more poorly than like any of the benefits it could really offer me. And so I just realized like, it, it made sense for me. Like I, I, it's not worth it. Um, so for the most part, I stopped drinking after I'd say around my birthday in 2018. Um, I just remember being like really hung over the next day and I had maybe three drinks all night and just being like, you know, I love daylight and I don't get to enjoy it when I'm really hung over. And so, I think there's a lot of value in like people sharing their reasons for like why they decided to even start questioning their relationship with alcohol. Um, because I don't think that it needs to get to the point where it's like a public health issue for, for anybody to consider like, Hey, you know what, how much am I drinking or what is that doing to my body? And so for me, I've noticed, um, similar to what Eric said that my relationships, um, Sometimes they are more challenging because I'm fully present for them. Uh, But they've also like, I I feel like I've cut out ones that might have been a little bit more superficial Mm. and the ones that remain um, definitely feel deeper and richer. And in general, I just feel more present for my life. And life is like the greatest gift that you can ever get. So um, I feel, you know, grateful to be able to do that. And, um, you know, this is the choice that's right for me. Yeah. Well, first, I, I really appreciate both of you opening up about kind of your own stories. I think they're very powerful and, and people will really appreciate hearing them. You said a lot of interesting, insightful things. I want to focus on kind of two things you said. So, Eric, you were like, it wasn't like I was blacking out every night. And Leah, you mentioned like being hungover after three drinks. Yep. At least from my <laughs> perspective, I think a common misconception when people say I'm going to like be sober is people like, oh, you must have just been getting blackout every single yeah. night. And like it, you just had to because it was so detrimental to your life. 
But what I heard there was reflecting on like your relationship with alcohol and, and it wasn't like it was totally destroying your life. You just realized, I think I could lead a better life without it. Yeah. So I would love to hear both of your opinions on kind of the misconceptions that you encounter when discussing sobriety with other people. Yeah, I think for me, since I've been sober for the last four years and almost uh, even five years, um, I think that especially when I interact with some of my friends who are women who are sober, is that um, if they're not drinking or like, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm done drinking. They're like, are you pregnant? And they're very invasive right. questions, um, whether it's for, are you pregnant or um, did you get an OWI or, or did, you, did you get in trouble? Or the other question is, um, oh, yeah, it's, uh, you just had a bad hangover or you just had a bad night. Uh, just do it again. And so the the mindset is that um, when reflecting on it now is that you never have those types of invasive questions in other uh, forms of conversation when you're eating or when you're uh, working out. They don't ask you those invasive, well, hopefully they don't invest, right. ask you those invasive questions. Over the last four and a half years, really has really been breaking down those stereotypes and and having those uh, genuine and healthy conversations. And now people are starting to be more mindful and saying, oh, well, that's cool that you're not drinking. Or or it's not even a topic anymore. Right. My story is a little bit different, and I'm sure Leah uh, has other thoughts. Yeah, Leah, what misconceptions have you run into? Basically, the presumption is what's wrong. Right. Like, what's wrong with you? Is something wrong with your body? Um, I've gone so far, depending on how uncomfortable people seem to be to be like well you know most of the women in my family don't drink like it just alcohol doesn't agree with our bodies which is true but like the fact that I feel that pressure to justify or explain a choice that I think any doctor could tell you like is a really good one for your body like um yes there are benefits to having maybe like a glass of red wine but in general like we are choosing to put a chemical called ethanol in our bodies that's also used in gasoline and rocket fuel. Like it doesn't have a positive, like net positive on our bodies. Like, yes, we get to, you know, get away from our worries or our stresses or whatever, but every action has an equal opposite reaction. So Mm -hmm. like when you take a depressant that like starts to slow you down or help you lose inhibitions, like the next day, for most people, there are those lucky few that don't experience hangovers, but um, you feel the impact of that Mm -hmm. and your body is having to work really hard just to come back from that. And so um, for me, yeah, there's there's definitely been a lot of invasive questions, um, particularly like in uh, dating, like, you know, when Mm. people want to go out, they just assume like, oh, we're going to go out for drinks. And I've never turned people down for it. But then uh, I I just get a water and then end up telling them, you know, like, yeah, I don't I don't drink. It's just not for me. And it it definitely can feel um, a bit like people can have different reactions. But I've realized over time, like their reaction is about them. It's not about me. And like to not take responsibility for their reaction has been a really difficult process for me because I think people in our society, like people always have an opinion about women, like how they're dressed, like what their hair looks like, what if they wear makeup, I never wear makeup. Um, and so I do feel responsible sometimes by default for people's opinions of mm-hmm. me. And so when they're questioning like why I don't drink, 
I do feel compelled to justify. I'm starting to like recede on that. But I guess I'd say the most positive thing that's come from this for me has been like developing a more positive relationship with my body because I didn't realize that I was like just drowning things out with alcohol or mindless consumption of things. And now I'm like developing a positive relationship and like treating my body well. Yeah. So you, you both kind of talked about this like social pressure to drink. And I know, Eric, I was reading an article I think you did in like the Biz Times about this a while back. Yeah. <clears throat> and I know people will still come up to you and be like, oh, just have one more drink, yeah, have a yeah, shot. It's yeah, yeah. for old times. Like it, yeah. it won't count, blah, blah, blah. And as you have alluded to, there's a lot of like challenges that come with being sober in general and people's perception of it. But let's situate ourselves like this is a Milwaukee podcast. Yeah. It's probably particularly hard <laughs> because we're in the state of Wisconsin which I think is the drunkest state yeah. in, the, in the union and has eight of the 10 most drunk cities mm-hmm. or something like that. We're running away with that yeah. prize, unfortunately. Yeah. So how difficult is it in Milwaukee? I'm thinking of you're both very involved in the community. You go to a community event. Typically there's alcohol present and a lot of people rely on that alcohol as a social lubricant. Me and Leah were talking about this earlier. Yeah. So like how hard is it in Milwaukee to make this happen and and kind of what are you doing to overcome that challenge um it's hard (laughs) I mean that's why um I decided like finally after thinking about it for a long time and having conversations with people like Eric and other friends um and family members uh just feeling kind of like a social pariah or like just being this weird outlier for for not drinking and I'll admit some of that might be self-imposed but I just felt like oh well I don't want to do this thing and I also don't necessarily want to put myself in a space where that is the main reason we're getting together so um yeah I I just recently like at the end of last year held like my first sort of community gathering Congratulations. Um, Thank you. Yeah. For a group called Sober in the Brew City and it's for women who are curious about sobriety. So um, definitely not trying to replace like traditional, um, you know, recovery spaces or anything like that, but creating an alternative space where alcohol is distinctly not the focal point and um, also having conversations about that in a safe space with other women and you know, getting to talk about what brought us to this spot. Right. Wonderful. Eric, how have you kind of dealt with the social pressure, particularly in Milwaukee? Yeah, I think that you're starting to see a lifestyle change throughout, not only in um, Wisconsin, Milwaukee area, but also throughout the U.S. and Europe. Event organizers or event coordinators or whoever, they're starting to think of like, not everyone wants a um, just alcohol and also coming up with viable non-alcohol um, drink options instead of just water or juices or, or pop or soda is that they're saying, hey, Eric, what do you enjoy and what do you think other people would enjoy? And so it's really been nice to have that feedback. Um, also, what's happened is um, I've been fortunate to write for Out of Milwaukee and cover and highlight uh, mocktails. Uh, throughout the greater Milwaukee area. So I think that's really also creating that awareness is that um, it's okay to be alcohol-free or it's okay to be sober, whether that's for a day or for 30 days or or for uh, two months or for a year or beyond. Is it really finding viable options and also uh, really trying to find a genuine support system, Right. Um, really trying to find people that will advocate and that will also... 
um, support you and also almost defend you and advocate for you and, and uh, for your sobriety or for, for being alcohol-free. For me, I've been fortunate where I've been transparent about my journey. Uh, for others that may not be as transparent, um, I definitely think that being okay to uh, ask for non-alcoholic drink options right. um, and having the confidence. And if you don't have the confidence, definitely reach out to someone like me or Leah that can definitely help provide those connections and, and uh, those, um, yeah. Yeah. So I, this is really interesting because I, I haven't really thought about this too much except in preparation for this interview. And I think you've hit on this really interesting concept of like the support. Yeah. And like, Leah, you mentioned earlier, like you had to reevaluate some relationships. You found them to be like superficial. So I'm just curious on like, when you have someone you consider a friend and then you realize, Oh, I'm actually just kind of getting drunk with this person and I don't know anything about them. Do I even really like them? I, what is that like hard conversation like when you have to start saying no to going out for drinks and like reevaluating friendships? I think if you have any advice for people kind of considering this, I think that would be yeah. a really helpful. Sure. Um, my first stint with like, um, doing like a, sober period of time um, was when I was living in a different city. I was working in advertising and it was around the holidays. Lots of drinks, um, probably like the drunkest month of my life. Um, so I remember just being like, it's it's time to make a change. And so I didn't feel comfortable just going sober. So I did a diet um, or lifestyle change. I don't know what to call it, but called the Whole30. Mm. And on the Whole30, you do not consume alcohol um and so I did that and I felt more comfortable telling people socially like uh, my work friends which were really just um they were colleagues but also I we drank a lot together um having that to kind of like shield myself like oh I'm doing this thing and um it wasn't very popular back then like now I've I mean they do partnerships with like Walmart and Chipotle but um being able to say I'm doing this thing and that's why I can't drink made me feel more comfortable with it because a lot of my relationships uh were pretty superficial and um it's it's definitely interesting like there are some people who when I wasn't drinking like you know we just stopped seeing each other or hanging out as much and I can't say I was brave enough to have like really honest conversations with everybody back then I mean I was in my early 20s I was um, I didn't drink that much in college, so I made up for it afterwards. Um, and so a lot of my relationships were like that. Um, but it's been interesting how now, like, um, I'm 30 and some of those friends have kind of come back around and chosen on their own to stop mm. drinking. Sure. And so we've been able to have like full circle conversations like, yeah, it is really hard. Like realizing that a lot of your friendships were, you know, like alcohol was one of the pillars of it and when you cut that out it, it doesn't stand as strong um but I will say I mean yeah I think uh Eric mentioned this earlier but there's a like rising consciousness or awareness um I think our generation for all the crap we get in the media about some things like we are very aware of like the health impacts um I mean we grew up you know being told and knowing like cigarettes are bad and like different things are really bad, but we were not taught that about alcohol. Mm. And so I think it's taking us a little bit longer. Um, like, you know, we're all adults in here and like in our twenties or thirties. And, um, 
I think that there's there's more to come like when it comes to like a rising consciousness among young people like oh maybe this isn't a good thing that I'm putting into my body Mm -hmm. and I personally think it's it's gonna continue to go even further like beyond like substances like alcohol I think we're gonna start to look at like technology addiction and other things that are very controversial to consider but um Alcohol is a great place to start. Right. And the tech addiction, that's a whole other podcast. We'll have to have you back on that. You'll have to have Jeremy Poyette about that one because he's all about that. Right. So, Eric, do you have any advice for people kind of having those harder conversations? Yeah, I think it's really being genuine and, and being transparent. Um, that's what that's what worked for me is that um, my relationships over the last four and a half years and five years with the amount of success and, and mistakes and and unconditional support and then lost friendships and relationships that I've endured. Um, I, I reflect on it now and, and continue to reflect on it. And I'm very thankful for that whole entire experience. I think that for me, I wish, uh, there's always regrets, but I think that for me, like, um, having those healthy conversations, being transparent and, uh, and I think that it's really my personality. I'm very open and I'm very uh, extroverted, so I think it was a little bit easier for me to talk about my journey and being open about my journey. Um, and but for those that may not be as extroverted or may not want to share his or her journey completely, mm-hmm. I think that trying to find that support system, uh, that genuine support system, uh, whether that is your family or whether that is your friends, or if you don't. Uh, really want to go to them, uh, trying to find resources. Um, and also whether that is going to a reflection group or whether that's receiving help um, through uh, therapy or just really reading reflections or, or going on different resources and, and searching for those uh, to really have those healthy conversations and really help you step outside your comfort zone. Um, I always feel like I would not be where I am today, uh, especially with my sobriety, if it wasn't for my family and my friends who have embraced me for who I am. Leah, this is for you. Kind of the vision for Sober in the Brew City. I think you're working on developing a really cool community uh, here in Milwaukee. So let's dive into that. What's the vision? What have you done already? Kind of what are the goals uh, for Sober in the Brew City? Sure. Yeah. So um, Sober in the Brew City is something that I kind of started to envision, I don't know, like a few months after I stopped drinking. And um, I had had conversations with a lot of different people, Eric included, um, and had a conversation with one person uh, who just kind of encouraged me, you know, like, you can always make something more inclusive. Like you could always broaden it to like a larger audience. But like if you feel, because I was saying, you know, like I I really like have great conversations with women around this. Um, And maybe it's just because like you were recognizing that a lot of like recovery or different resources online are um, a lot of women talking about it. And so maybe that was a part of it. But I was finding I had a lot of positive conversations. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start this, um, you know, with a little bit more of a female focus in mind. And I would be remiss to not, um, give a shout out to a woman named Holly Whitaker. Uh, shout out Holly. Yeah. <laughs> um, at Holly on Instagram. Uh, so she started, um, first, um, something called hip sobriety, which eventually became something called the Tempest. And, it's an online publication that takes a look at sobriety from like an intersectional feminist lens. 
Um, and I have loved everything she's written, posted. Um, she just had her book come out on New Year's Eve. It's called Quit Like a Woman. I'm listening to it right now. It's awesome. Um, and she really like questions a lot of, you know, what, why are we like worshiping at the altar of alcohol? Like, what is this? So, um, and she's, she's, um, a woman in recovery herself. So anyway, um, honestly seeing her go like, ham on uh sobriety <laughs> on social media was what gave me like the courage to be like oh, i should start something for women here like uh because a lot of people i talked with said you know if you're thinking this and feeling this so much like other people are too you just need to put it out there and so i had put it on my list i could relate to what eric was saying earlier about like you know spending january like goal setting and thinking about what you want from the year and i wrote down like in this workbook that i do every year my three big goals for 2019 and one of them i accomplished two out of the three one of them was like host a community event focused Mm. on sobriety and so i really wanted to do that by the end of the year i had so many conversations just like testing the waters and finally um had one with a friend that um, runs a space um, in Walker's Point and I very shyly asked her like well before the end of the year would be too soon right and she's like no we can make it happen (laughs) let's do it and so um, decided uh, that you know we would have a community event and see who came and kind of talk with those people about what um, what more they wanted to see come from it think we had like 12 women there so awesome. pretty good turnout yeah, yeah. and um at that event uh led like a body scan meditation to because a huge part of it for me has been as i mentioned like developing a more positive relationship with my body not just like pummeling her with alcohol <laughs> and you know treating her poorly like how can i show you love and gratitude for all that you do for me because i'm you know a soul inside this body so mm um doing that and um kind of just going around and doing introductions talking about like you know what's your relationship with alcohol or your status with it and then um ideas that people had for what they would like to see from that group moving forward and then my final question was like hey you know this first gathering was you know focused on women what do you think about um it broadening to like you know being all genders Mm -hmm. um and the resounding response was like, we we prefer it this way. Like we just feel like a little bit safer and we yeah. may not have come if it was, um, you know, all genders. And there's there's definitely like they, they want some events in the future to be all inclusive, but not um, all the time. Right. And so that was really good feedback for me to hear and like kind of stand more strongly in my conviction around that. Honestly, the women who came like had so many good ideas. So we had like Reiki practitioners and yoga teachers in the room. And so we're going to do like a yoga for recovery one month and like Reiki. And then another person who was there does um, acupuncture. She's a Chinese medicine practitioner. So we're going to do that one time because she talked about how like ear acupuncture apparently like can like those that's part of the body like can help with recovery um, from different addictions and so um, things like that, but also blended with like more lighter, like less wellness focused events, like um, going out. So like, you know, probably like an outing every quarter, things like a goddess circle, which is kind of just, I don't know, it's like a little bit um, more holistic, but thinking, I don't know, positive female empowerment and yeah. just circling for that purpose alone. 
Um, and then I've thought about, uh, I've, I have in the past, I do not currently, but I have in the past made my own kombucha. And so some of the women there were like, we want to learn how to make it. And it's not that hard. So, um, talking about like doing classes like that and, um, yeah, so those are some of the things on, on tap, uh, for 2020. Well, I love that. And thanks for kind of spearheading such a cool community here in Milwaukee. Um, so it is Bridge of City. We end with action steps. We're going to do a special there's going to be two action steps in this episode. It's going to be wild. The first one is for people that are considering um, doing dry January or pursuing a sober lifestyle. What is one kind of tangible action step you would give them to kind of test the waters or like a, a word of advice for kind of getting into that? I think for me, it would be find your genuine support system. Uh, someone or a group of people or even someone that um, will love you and support you unconditionally and also um, seek out and step outside of your comfort zone um, and really uh, be okay and and do some self-reflection. Love it. Leah? Yeah, mine was going to be similar to the end of Eric's because I think um, finding your community or leaning on them is really important but also the relationship with the self is very important. And I think sometimes some of us drink um, to like lose ourselves Mm -hmm. because we can be so in our heads. It's like, I just want to escape from all these thoughts or this anxiety or whatever. And so um, I would encourage folks to consider, you know, like maybe giving meditation a try. Um, I think there's something to be said for like learning to find even like a, a minute of peace in your own body. Uh, and I think that can go a long way regardless of if you decide to stop drinking or not. Um, developing a more positive relationship with the self um, can go a really long way in terms of your overall health. True. Love that. So the second action step, because I know you both have much larger identities than just being sober. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and I think of both of you as leaders in the community. So what action steps do you have for people in general trying to get more involved in Milwaukee and make an impact in our community? Um, mine would be to step outside your comfort zone, uh, remove your lens to embrace change. Um, and really, if you are committed to reframing the narrative and changing the narrative, um, you have to uh, remove your lens. And, and you may not... Um, get along with that person or that organization personally, but you can still have respect. And I think that's uh, removing your lens, step outside of your comfort zone, be respectful, be genuine, and be willing to learn and grow to move um, the community forward and also to change that narrative. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Kyle, thank you for the kind words. Believe it or not, when I started my job like almost two years ago, which has kind of helped me firmly plant myself in Milwaukee more firmly than I had previously in a professional way, I was like terrified like of attending events and getting out to them. I think I remember actually going to an event um, that Bridge the City like was one of the guests or you were live recording a podcast there. And that was one of the ones that I like forced myself to go to um, against my desire to just sit at home. So uh, my action step would be to encourage everyone to 
get out to one event uh, that is outside your comfort zone, as Eric said. So something that you wouldn't normally find yourself doing, honestly, and don't be afraid to go alone. Like I've, I've gone alone and I've met so many more people because I didn't have that like, like security blanket of another person. Right. Uh, go to an event that you wouldn't ordinarily go to. Don't be afraid to be alone. And I will add another layer and say, uh, don't drink while you're there. So you can be fully present for it and, you know, sit with your discomfort, get comfortable with it and know that you are absolutely growing from that experience. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Bridge the City. I hope you learned a lot about a movement that I think needs uh, more respect and more attention here in Milwaukee and across the country and really normalizing sobriety as a great way of life for those that choose to pursue it. And also just being thoughtful about the spaces you create and the activities you have and making sure that they're inclusive for everyone, including people that are sober. And... Um, if you like this episode, you like our past episodes, you can find them all on bridgecitypodcast.com. Um, and also, we have a Patreon. If you enjoy our podcast and you want to help support it financially, you can give as little as $4 a month uh, to Bridges City. That just keeps the cost of our equipment and radio show and all that covered. We'd much appreciate that. If you enjoyed this episode or have enjoyed our previous episodes, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can find our entire archive on BridgesCityPodcast.com. We also are doing more live events and helping other people produce podcasts. So if you're interested in partnering with us in that respect, please reach out. Our emails are on our website. Thank you so much. If you want to support in a financial capacity, check out our Patreon. That's linked on our website as well. Uh, but most importantly, we want to hear how you're taking the action steps we have in the episodes and helping impact the community. So please reach out and let us know how you are helping Bridge the City. Bridge the City.